This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the VSB Faculty Podcast. My name is Matthew Plusnik. I'm a senior here at Villanova School of Business studying marketing and economics. And today I have the pleasure of joining Dr. Charles Zeck, who is the director of the Center of Church Management and Business Ethics in the Villanova School of Business. And today we're going to be talking about his book entitled Catholic Parishes of the 21st Century that will be coming out this January. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, in the middle 1980s, a group of researchers at Notre Dame University decided to do a massive study of Catholic parishes. Well, some fellow researchers and I looked at this and said, you know what, this needs to be updated. For example, back in the mid-1980s, there were very few multicultural parishes. The Notre Dame study, for whatever reason, failed to look at parish finances. In the mid-1980s, the priest shortage had started to emerge, but it's only accelerated since then. Mass attendance has dropped dramatically since the mid-1980s, and sacramental life has changed a lot. The U.S. Catholic Church has grown by 30%, but during that time, Catholic marriages have dropped by 57%. Catholic baptisms have dropped by 40%. So uh, we at the Center for Church Management and Business Ethics here at Villanova decided to partner with a cousin center at Georgetown, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate. We here at Villanova focus solely on church finances and management issues. The uh, Georgetown group focuses primarily on socioeconomic issues. So we make a nice team. What do you see as the essential reason or reasons as to why vocations to the priesthood and religious life have been declining in the last few decades? Well, that's a really important issue. Almost every aspect of parish life today is affected by the decline in vocations to both vowed religious and the priesthood. In the case of vowed religious, especially women vowed religious, I think the reason is because women today have many more opportunities to serve in professional capacities, both within and without the church. Back 50 years ago or even 30 years ago, there were very limited opportunities for women, and so if, if, if a woman wanted to have a professional position, joining the convent was one avenue. For men, I think uh, celibacy is an important issue, along with the fact that men have a great opportunity to serve the church uh, as a non-priest than they did back in the day. Men feel they can combine marriage, a professional career, and work for the church. Could you elaborate on some of the challenges inner-city churches have faced recently with a fleeing population towards the suburbs? You know, back in the day when the U.S. Catholic Church was first established, uh, most of the Catholics lived in urban areas, especially urban areas in the Northeast. And that's where the churches were built, that's where the parishes were developed. Well, since World War II, there's been a migration of Catholics, first of all, from the inner city of the Northeast to the suburbs Northeast, and then more recently from the Northeast and Midwest to the South and Southwest. As a result, we have a real misallocation of our resources. We have the churches and the schools sitting in the inner city in the northeast. We have the people sitting in the suburbs and the south and west. And as a result, there's some tremendous financial pressures on dioceses. And what they're doing is, in many cases, closing and merging parishes in the inner city so they can free up resources to serve the Catholics where they live. And that's a, a tremendous hardship for many people. Those who live in the inner city and, and have come to love their parish are heartbroken when their parish is, is lost, but it's something that needs to be done. It's, it's only good stewardship on the part of diocese to adjust to the fact that, again, while the facilities might be in the inner city, the Catholics, uh, for the most part, are no longer there. 
Do you have any future projections on what the parishioner to priest ratio in U.S. parishes could be, say, in the next 30 years? You know, Matt, in the uh, U.S. Catholic Church, we talk about the priest shortage. We should keep in mind it's a relative priest shortage. Relative to the rest of the world, we are priest rich. One third of the Catholics live in Europe or North America. Two thirds of the Catholics live in Africa and South America. Yet Europe and North America have two thirds of the priests, while Asia and Africa have one third of the priests. So when we talk about a priest shortage, it really is a relative priest shortage. In the U.S., the replacement rate is four in 10. For every 10 priests who retire or die, we're only getting four new ones. So any relative priest shortage we're currently experiencing will only be worse over time. Were there any systemic issues in the outcomes of Vatican II that you see still directly impacting Catholic parishes today? Yeah, the biggest issue out of Vatican II that is yet to be fully worked out is the role of the laity. Vatican II spoke about the need for cooperation between the pastor and the laity. St. Pope John Paul II uh, started using the word co-responsibility of the parishioners. Pope Emeritus Benedict has picked up on that. So what they're saying is that it's not a matter of the need to cooperate between the pastor and the laity, but actually the laity and the pastor are co-responsible for the success of the parish. And that's yet to be worked out fully. In all honesty, in many places, the laggard there are the laity. They rely on the pastor to do everything, and they don't want to take up their responsibility, the co-responsibility in the parish. But that's the vision of Vatican II that John Paul II and Benedict uh, had for the church, and one that I'm certain that Pope Francis also has. So in your research, you mentioned that approximately more than one-third of U.S. parishes today serve a particular racial, ethnic, cultural, and or linguistic community. Do you see this segregation as positive for parish growth, or do you think that this segregates the communities too much? Whether it's positive or negative, it's happening. There are many parishes in this country that offer Mass in more than one language, for example. And so it's up to the parish to make sure that the different cultures are accommodated. Now, in many cases, we found that the parish is not one community. It's more an issue of different cultures, different communities sharing the parish, sharing the church. For example, there's a mass in English and a mass in another language, maybe another mass in another language. But at some point, the parish needs to have some activities, uh, maybe a parish picnic or a parish festival where everybody's invited. And over time, that will help build community but it won't happen overnight. And it's important that we be patient in doing that. Could you expand on the impact technology has had on Catholic parishes? And do you foresee this growth in technology potentially ostracizing the older population who may not be as technologically savvy? Well, the impact that technology had on Catholic parishes in the U.S. is, I uh, put it in word, disappointing. Very few parishes have an adequate website. Studies have shown that two-thirds of people who move into a new community will visit the parish's website before they visit the parish itself. And if they don't like what they see on the website, they won't visit the parish. But even beyond the website, parishes are abysmal at using social media. They, in many cases, don't trust social media. And as a result, they're really underperforming in the area of social media. As, as you point out, for older parishioners, that's not an issue. But for younger parishioners, that's critical. For younger parishioners who uh, live in a world of social media, Anyone that's not active on social media might as well not even exist. Uh, there's a real concern in the church today that we're not attracting the younger parishioners that we did at one time. One way to turn that around is through the use of social media. 
meeting our younger Christians where they're at. Do you envision any large structural changes to the traditions of the Catholic Church occurring in the coming years at all? I don't view many coming in the matter of faith and morals. Uh, the one big structural change is going back to relative pre-shortage. Uh, we're going to have to do something about that. Yes, I'm talking about ordaining women. I think we'll start with women deacons. Pope Francis already started a uh, committee to look into the issue. And then the path will be set for ordaining women. Matt, it may not happen in your lifetime, but it's bound to happen. Beyond that, Pope Francis has set an example for all Catholics that we have to be more pastoral in approaching the LBGT community, for example, divorced and remarried Catholics, and others who, frankly, parish life has shunned. So I, I think we're, we're going to see that one change, that we'll be treating them in a more pastoral sense. Of course, the extent to which any of these changes occurs will depend on Pope Francis' successor. The good news is Pope Francis has lived long enough now that he's been able to nominate a large number of cardinals, and so hopefully they will select a succession in the mold of Pope Francis. There's a lot of reasons for optimism for the U.S. Catholic Church today. During this interview, I've tended to talk about some of the issues that uh, plague the church, that are troublesome, that need to be addressed. But overall, the U.S. Catholic Church is a healthy organization and one, I think, that has a wonderful future. Thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for listening to today's edition of the VSB Faculty Podcast. We look forward to you listening in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.